virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Season has started, so we are back. It's the return of For Fox's Sake for another season. Lots of comings and goings at the King Power, so myself and Rob return with a summer special. It's For Fox's Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby in a very warm For Fox's Sake HQ. Rob in For Fox's Sake HQ 2. I think you might be even hotter. Yes, at least I'm sure you've got some kind of ventilation going on. I am in my converted loft, which constitutes for Fox Ake HQ2, and it is probably one of the hottest days that Sheffield has ever experienced. So uh, excuse me if I start uh, sweating profusely during this uh, first pre-season podcast. It's nice to hear your voice again, Pete. I've missed it. I've had to dust off the old equipment. I'm very much looking forward to a football chat. Yeah, I've had a, a nice break, but I must admit, in the last couple of days, I've been itching to get back into the For Fox 8 regime, and today especially, jotting down a few notes, sitting in the sun, uh, it, it was nice, it was really nice, although yesterday was an absolute stinker of a hot day. I was up at St George's Park, the Disability Cup weekend, whether anyone caught any of that live on BT Sport all over the weekend, but uh, oh, outside it was just... It was so hot, and because most of it was inside, and then when you move outside, it's even worse than maybe spending a prolonged amount of time outside. And my first thought was because we were telling a few stories after it finished about being at sporting events on hot days, and my first and my my staple story is still Rob, Glasgow twenty (laughs) fourteen, me and you at the bowls commentating on bowls in. What has to be the hottest day that Glasgow have ever experienced? I was going to say, would you, you believe of all the jet setting that you and I have managed to do in our very fortunate careers? I thought Rio 2016 Pete was coming straight out then, but get Glasgow 2014 was unbelievably hot. And the problem with that uh, at the bowls was we were initially supposed to commentate from an uncovered stand, and it was going to be absolutely baking. But then they moved as to into what could only be described as a human greenhouse. It was like a marquee with completely clear panels so that we could see out and see all of the bowls action. And, oh my goodness me, did we cook in there. It was so funny. And then during the breaks, you were dodging the sun as much as possible. It was nice. I mean, the first bit, we were sat on a bank with the, the camera, a big boom camera going over ahead from the BBC. Oh, it's, it was tremendous. But yeah, that's that was unreal that was really really warm and a few uh, members of the team were uh, knocked for uh, for seven by that but yeah yesterday was uh, that story came out a couple of times actually but uh, yeah it, it, it was fun and um, it was nice to see a bit of live sports I'd, I'd, I've done a one or two bits before that over the previous weeks but actually seeing people live in flesh actually playing football or there was a little bit of rugby and then having having the fortune to be at the semi-final of the Euros, the Spain-Italy game. My God, we've seen some matches over the year. This is everyone, uh, not just say myself and Rob now, this is 
say, Premier League football with Leicester, if you've either seen it on TV or if you've actually been fortunate to be at the King Power. Some of the games are just so fast. And generally, when it gets to that stage, there's, I'm not going to say a lack of skill, but it becomes a little bit harem scarum and a little bit frantic, which is good and exciting. And when you're in the, the position that we are trying to commentate on that, it can be quite difficult. And But the game between Spain and Italy, Rob, I'm not being funny, it was one of the best games I've ever seen. But it was one of the fastest games I've ever seen, which is not maybe something you would imagine between those two sides, especially in a European uh, Championship semi-final. But the level of skill was unbelievable. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, there were some players came out of that, and whether we'll bump into them on our travels with Leicester against you know some of the real big boys in Europe, hopefully. But uh, it, it was... I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a game like it. I've always, I'll always go back to that first twenty minutes against Man City when we were what three 0 up, the Vardy hat trick game in the pouring rain in what two thousand and seventeen as the best twenty minutes I'll ever see because that was stunning. But the first, the half, the first half of that game, arguably was the best half of football I've ever seen. It was fantastic. Being there was amazing in a virtually full Wembley. And uh, yeah, so very fortunate to do that. But myself and and Stephen Jameson, who I think has been on the podcast before, but yeah, even he looked at me wide-eyed going, this is nuts. It was a great watch on TV, definitely. And you know, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh my goodness me, I do not envy you commentating on this. I actually, yeah, James, Stephen Jameson has been on the podcast. Uh, I actually met uh, him for a, a couple of pints and some food on Friday night. Uh, and he was what? and he was telling me he was telling me about this uh, about how him and yourself uh, I wouldn't say struggled through the game because you're both very experienced and very talented commentators but it w- would I think would whilst you're saying it's one of the most enjoyable games that you've ever seen uh, and, and been part of also probably I'd be right in saying from from your point of view as an audio descriptive commentator the most difficult yeah I. I mean, I don't really, you know, pat myself on the back or whatever. First of all, J-Mo was awesome. I am being funny. I, I know he's not, he's not going to hear this, but he was generally awesome. Uh, and I was actually really quite impressed with myself. I know that might sound a bit big-headed, but... And you know for a fact that I never would... I never say that, but I, I came out of that game going, I think I've done bloody well there, to be honest. But yeah, uh, hang on. Where was my invite? Well, it was uh, it was one of those uh, double dates where I was still not entirely convinced that this uh, woman that he said that he's uh, been uh, uh, dating for the last just over a year, I was still not convinced that she existed. And obviously, we now haven't had an opportunity to meet her given what's happened in the last year. Uh, and lo and behold, he arrived at, on time at Sheffield train station. Came up here from Nottingham. With her, and she's real, and she actually likes him, believe it or not. I kind of hope he does listen to this now. That's remarkable. That's a remarkable thing. I've not actually, I don't know, I can't remember remember her name. Anyway, oh, there you go. They're all very nice. And um, and, and yeah, and you've you've had some big news as well. Yes, uh, we have uh, decided to get married. Now, I I proposed last summer, but best part of 11 months ago, uh, went round looking around a couple of venues. I'd no idea of what kind of date we'd want to do or anything like that. And this venue said, "Well, how about December this year?" And we were like, "Yeah, go on then. Why not?" So we've uh, 
We've booked in the wedding for December this year, and I know exactly why you want to bring that up, Pete. Not just to congratulate me, uh, but also to uh, let the listeners know your your dietary requirements when you RSVP to the wedding. Because I've got to say, it was uh, one of the first RSVPs we got back. The invites went out uh, about five, six days ago. Uh, and in dietary requirements, Pete put lager, maybe the odd gin and tonic, and some paracetamol for the next day. Hey, that's that's what it needs. That's all I need. I, when I said that, I thought, hang on, have I said this out, maybe out of turn? But you, you, I distinctly remember we mentioned this last year, didn't we? We mentioned this at the time, so it wasn't quite, you know, everyone, you know, kind of personal news that no one knew. I think everyone knew that, you, that the, you're engaged, etc. So, yeah, so looking forward to that. Congratulations and all that sort of thing. And uh, and obviously we'll do a live podcast from the do. <laughs> that, that would be an um, absolute car crash. We've done one recorded <laughs> podcast where I interviewed some people when I was very inebriated and I had to edit absolutely everything that I said out of it. I imagine we... We could just have like the it set up in one corner, and you know, oh, it'd be, be amazing. But anyway, that's what's been going on. It's really warm today. It's uh, it, it's pre-season. This is what pre-season is, isn't it? Really hot temperatures. Players out on the well, the new training ground that we've got now at Seagrave. The first time that they've uh, had a pre-season there. And after what happened in the Euros, we won't go really much into that, but what happened in the Euros, I really took my England cap off on the Monday morning after the final and then put my Leicester one back on. I was uh, obviously gutted like a lot of people, but I was certainly more gutted when we lost to Croatia in the World Cup semi-final because the World Cup for me... And I think for everyone, it is more important than the Euros. But I I have it a long way in front of the Euros, you know. So, yes, I was annoyed, but it, that only lasted that night. And then, that, you know, next day, Leicester hat on. Um, I suppose, actually, let's just mention, we'll quickly mention the Euros regarding Leicester players. Castagna's injury looks like he's going to be okay to start the season. Because apparently the reports that I've last seen today was that everyone's training, apart from James Justin, who's still going to be out until around Christmas. So he's making his own kind of recovery. But everyone's back and training. So Castagna will be available, probably with a mask, etc. But that could have been a lot worse than it was. It was very nasty at the time. Uh, away from that, you've got Soyun Chu, whose turkey side I fancied actually quite well because of they had a really good defence and I thought they'd be quite solid. Turns out absolutely opposite and they were terrible. So he was back on day one. And then you look at Yuri Tillemans, who we'll mention later when it comes to transfers. I thought in the games before the Euros, the warm-up games, he looked really good in the actual Euros itself. thought he was okay, nothing exceptional, but I think that applies to Belgium as well. So him not going as far as other countries is obviously a, a blessing in disguise, you'd imagine, for Leicester. Now, what happens with him is something we'll discuss later. And then the other is, of course, uh, <laughs> our reserve goalkeeper. Uh, Wardy playing so well for uh, for Wales. Now, that instantly throws up a, a little transfer conundrum scenario, which I don't think really the football club can manage in any way, shape or form. If you've got a player who is undisputably the number two at Leicester, look at Schmeichel and what he did in the Euros, and, you know, everyone knows that story. So, But what the goalkeeper has done 
who is Leicester's number two, has made is going to be his decision because if a football club, a Premier League club, comes in and goes, we want him as our number one goalkeeper. Is he going to move? More than likely, you'll say. Uh, I don't think Leicester are going to outprice anyone. So it's just all on his his head, really. You know, what does he want to do? He's signed a new contract. He's, I believe he's, he's, you don't sign a new contract if you're not happy with being a number two. He's obviously wanting to play, but it's um, it's an interesting scenario. It just depends on what he wants to do. I'd, surely clubs are going to come in for him now. You would absolutely imagine so because he's shown what a very, very good goalkeeper he is on the biggest stage. He's he's hardly had a look in at Leicester City really and that's uh, obviously um, because of the quality of our number one goalkeeper. Now, the thing with Schmeichel is he turns 35 this season uh, and obviously goalkeepers have got a, a longer shelf life than, than the outfield players generally. And Schmeichel, for me, has shown zero signs of, of slowing down uh, as he's now into his mid-30s. Um, his reactions look as sharp as ever. His sort of uh, ability to, to be explosive, um, is, it looks as good as ever. And, and if anything, the age thing is, is making him an even better goalkeeper than he ever has been because he's got more experience um, than he has done before. And, and obviously... Big experience now for Denmark playing in some massive games and going through uh, the the experience that they had at the Euros. He's going to come back an even better goalkeeper as well. Now, as a football club and as a Leicester City fan, that's a really, really strong position to be in because if uh, anything does happen to Kasper Schmeichel injury-wise during the season, and I guess that's possibly a question mark, as, as you get older, your body tends to be able to take less physical load than having Danny Ward in position is a real positive for Leicester because he proved exactly what he can do on the international stage. Um, but from his point of view, it really depends on his motivation because it, it, does he is he having a conversation with the club whereby they see him as the number one goalkeeper as and when Kasper Schmeichel's time is up? Possibly. Um, is he willing to sit and wait in, in, in what is his prime years now for that to happen? Or or would he take an offer from another, like you say, a Premier League club that are saying, I want you to be our number one goalkeeper um, and, and go there and actually get some football? The life of a goalkeeper is a really interesting one because it can be, you can go years without making an appearance. There's been a huge sort of market for these experienced third choice goalkeepers at big big clubs in the last what six seven years look at Lee Grant Manchester United Scott Carson at Manchester City and um, they're, they're a strange breed goalkeepers because they know by and large who is favoured by the management and, and who's going to get picked so you'd have to say yeah if, if somebody like uh, I don't know like a Southampton or something came in and said Danny, we've seen you at the Euros. We want you to come in on this contract. We want to make you these guarantees that you're going to be number one choice. Then I personally would 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 be, you know, he'd go with our best wishes, wouldn't he? Because you'd want him to play football. But from a selfish Leicester City fan point of view, I want to keep him at the club because he's a great option to have. But also, you talk about the goalkeepers' union in training, having him and Schmeichel training against each not against each other, with each other, knowing that they can spur each other on to to be the best that they can be come match day, it is a real positive as well. So 
I'd like to see him stay, but I certainly wouldn't begrudge him a transfer out. No, and if you're going to demand a fee, because I seem to think it was £12 million we signed him for, roughly around there, from Liverpool. Well, with his performance and his age, etc., you'd imagine it's going to be roughly the same, maybe even more, £15 million possibly. So Leicester might look at it and go, well, do we have a goalkeeper in reserve from the under-23s, etc., who we can rely on, or can we bring in maybe one of those experienced goalkeepers like you mentioned? Is it Begovic? He's going to go to um, to Everton. So there's these three goalkeepers. You've got Heaton going back to Manchester United. There's quite a few goalkeepers in that 35- to 40-year-old bracket who are changing clubs. We could maybe have... That could be a scenario. Maybe it's the case of there's a, a, a winger that we want to to sign but we've got 20 to 25 million to spend an extra 15 million let's do that let's let's change the goalkeepers uh, sell the reserve goalkeeper bring in an experienced goalkeeper on a free for, to free up what 15 odd million quid to then use it elsewhere that 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 could easily be the case but i just think it's all at the feet of of Ward and what he wants to do. If someone comes in with an offer of first team football, then I'd imagine he'll take that. But then again, at the moment, he's a number two at a great club and he seems to be perfectly happy in that scenario, knowing he's got years left of his, of his, uh, of his career. And Schmeichel, I think if, if it was anyone else regarding position, if it was anywhere else on the field, who's played as many games as Schmeichel, and to have that experience with Denmark, all that they went through, not only getting to the, the semis, but also what happened in the first game with Ericsson, etc. I think there really could have been a bit of a hangover from the Euros. I don't think that's the case with Schmeichel, just regarding his his persona, the way he is, but also his position, being a goalkeeper. It's not quite what an outfield player, you might have that kind of lag from a Euros, and it might be the case in many players who play outfield. I just don't think it happens with goalkeepers. I think it's just a, a completely separate entity. So I've got no worries on that front. But also, I've got no worries on every other front. As long as Castagna's fine, there's no one else who's really played a, a, a huge amount of games. Some sides are going to have players who got all the way to the final or or played plenty of games, who maybe picked up injuries, etc., that's going to rule them out of the first few games or even few months of the season. So Leicester, going into the new season on the back of the Euros, in just being completely selfish with, with Leicester, it, it was a really good Euros for us. Castagna to one side, hopefully he's fine. So that's pre-season started. Nice to see all the players back. Uh, transfers really this time of year loads of gubbins going around on on twitter on social media most of it complete nonsense and again when you follow uh as on twitter and on facebook so if you follow us on twitter at ffs pod or you can type in for fox 8 podcast you can find us on there if you give us a follow we are not the twitter handle that is going to retweet every single whisper by someone who's got two followers claiming to be a transfer expert because that's just boring it really is who cares what a 12 year old sat in the bedroom uh, tweeting that out pretending to be a football agent actually means no 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 we follow one or two journalists you likes of john percy Dorset, etc. from Sky, who generally follow the line of when something happens, it happens. Rob Tanner as well, obviously, for the uh, from The Athletic. And um, yeah, that's, that's the way that we go. So make sure you give us a follow. But we have signed some players, as we all know. Let's go through these, though. Uh, Pats and Dacca, Rob, 
we've signed a centre-forward from RB Salzburg for around £23 million. And this guy looks like it's in the category of a no-brainer. He, he has all the attributes that Leicester were always looking for in a player to play as a number nine. He's got the he's got a little bit of extra height than maybe some players that have been linked with in the past or we were maybe looking at 6-1. He's maybe a bit taller than people think. Quick, uh, agile, pacey. Uh, it looks like he can finish with all the goals that he scored. Yes, not in the Premier League, but still. Uh, some at Champions League level. The right age looks like on social media and the, the small bits that we've seen, he's got a really good attitude and seems a, a nice, friendly fellow. He's got the whole of Zambia behind him by the looks of things as well. So it just looks like a bit of a no-brainer. How it works out, hands in the air, none of us know. But uh, a welcome addition. There is absolutely nothing that I don't like about this transfer. And I'll be totally honest, until the rumours, or, well, I say rumours, until until the, the word from those those aforementioned social media accounts that you, you spoke of there, uh, until that's heightened a few days before it was announced, I had absolutely no idea who the bloke was. Um, but his uh, everything that you've just mentioned there speaks for itself. He is a natural goal scorer. He's scored 61 in his last 87 games for RB Salzburg. Yes, it's the Austrian top flight, so it's not exactly uh, the highest level of football that you're going to find in Europe, but he is the right age. He is an out-and-out number nine. He, As you say, I don't think he's... Uh, He's a target man in the in the essence of a Leonardo Ojoa or Steve Howard, but he has got that additional extra uh, height, and he does score from some headed opportunities. And Brendan Rodgers was very clear when asked about his sort of transfer policy for Leicester, in that he wanted to bring in people who have the right attitude. Uh, and I get what you're saying about his personality. He seems very smiley, very genuinely pleased to be at Leicester, which is fantastic. But also a sort of winning mentality, uh, or or at least if they've not won something individually or collectively as, uh, in their team, to bring some momentum or to bring some form to Leicester City and to finish top scorer in the Austrian Bundesliga and be named player of the season properly fits that bill he's scoring loads and loads of goals he'll be swaggering into Leicester like look let me show you what I can do he has experience of winning league titles and trophies he is of an age where he he is only going to get better and you've got to say that this is this is the beginning of the phasing the phased replacement of Jamie Vardy. You've got to you've got to be realistic about that. Nobody ever wants to see Jamie Vardy not wearing a Leicester shirt, not running defenders ragged and not bagging 20 goals a season. But ultimately that day is going to come and it's going to come sooner rather than later. And this, for me, is a very, very clear step. Because, you know, if Vardy's fit, he starts on, uh, on the first day of the season. No question. Absolutely no question. This is not a... Dakar's in to replace Vardy. Thanks for the memories. See you later. But Vardy, we've seen this season that's just gone. His 
he's not got a 50-55 game season in him. So Dakar's going to get plenty of opportunities uh, and with with a, a sort of a little bit less pressure on his shoulders in, in the sense that he's not asked to come in and be the club's leading striker straight away. And let's be honest, if you're a 22-year-old uh, and you want to learn your trade in English football, who better to learn it off than Jamie Vardy? Everything about this says good deal. Even the price, the price is great in in the current market. Very, very excited about this one. Quietly confident. But ultimately, if it does uh, fall flat on its face and doesn't work out, it's not that big a risk for the club because the financial outlay is not huge uh, and he could probably sort of disappear in an almost Ahmed Musa way never to be spoken of again. But I, I think it's going to be a positive step for Leicester. Well, I, I've known you for quite a while now, Rob, and the listeners have as well. I don't think I've heard you actually as excited for a signing as what you've just described regarding I, I can I can feel the 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 heat from the uh, from the iron on Dakar wearing number 22 or whatever it is on the back of your new Leicester shirt possibly I can I think this is a I've never heard you as excited about a Leicester signing I agree and strangely enough during your, your um your explanation there of the signing and how you're excited to see him. I've actually wrote two things down and I've put value and then Ahmed Musa. Uh, because as much as I think the term Musa is now replaced the Akinbai, you know, is it going to be an Akinbai? Everyone knows what you mean. Is it an expensive flop? Well, now it's is it going to be a Musa? Well, that almost has a, a strange um, and different meaning now because. Is he going to be a Musa means, is it going to be a player who is a bit of a no-brainer signing and it could go one way or the other? But if it doesn't work out, you're probably going to make your money back because that's pretty much what happened with Musa. And I agree with you with Daka. If it goes horribly wrong, if it turns out he can't hit a bond or he doesn't settle or for whatever reason, his age and for what he's done previously, you'd imagine they'll probably make their money back or cut the losses to only, what, say, five or six million. So, yeah, it's just, it looks a really good value signing, but also with the possibility of turning into a, a fantastic signing. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I agree. I've, to the point of, I've renamed my fantasy football team. Um, Daka Do 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 is going to be at the top of the league and more, to, more on that later. But uh, that's how I that's how I think this uh, signing is going to go. Anyway, so we've got him in, and then quickly on the footsteps. What twelve hours later or so, uh, Bubakare Sumare. I'm going to go with. We're going to. I'm going to wait until there's an interview with the guy, and they ask him how you say his name. I think that's what we're going to go with. But we'll just wait and see. Uh, Seventeen million from Lille. Now that includes a, a, a few add-ons. I think it's going to go up to say twenty-six million. But that's on appearances and all that sort of thing. So you put these two together, it's 40 million quid for these two players. There's a fire sale going on at Lille because I know they've won the league thanks to Samari. But everyone's going because of all sorts of problems off the field. Now, when you were going through the players that we need at the end of the season and we were looking forward to maybe signing or or filling in the squad, centre forward, tick, Dakar. 
midfielder. Maybe not quite the midfielder that I thought, but it's quite an easy observation that I've heard from many people and also not just people in the streets or people we know but also on on TV and, and commentators and pundits have mentioned on occasion the lack of strength in Leicester's say midfield. That sometimes if you miss or take out one or two players from the Leicester lineup or even move them around, I'm looking straight at Ndidi moving back into defence. They lose quite a lot of strength. They're quite an easy team to dominate if you play them against a side who 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 have. A very strong midfield, or even a strong lineup. You're looking, say, like a Palace or someone like that, uh, or even say Southampton, who who tend to be quite tall and strong. So this guy, he looks imposing, but also he looks like a genuine box-to-box midfielder. Whether he's going to be a number eight or a six or a four, who knows? It's um, it's an exciting signing. Again, young, just gone and won the league, beat PSG to the to the league title. Um, from their setup originally, and this has more of a complete question mark for me. Is it going to be a player who turns up to be actually quite limited, and quite quickly we drop him back into a more defensive role? So maybe like an Armati, who at one point when he scored that brilliant goal early on in his Leicester career, he thought, "Hang on, this guy can go forward." Now he's 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 so limited. You you can't really play him at fullback. He he's a centre half. If if you're going to play him anywhere, so it it could work out that way. Um, or is he a player actually bursting forward? It turns out he's really good going forward. I, I again a really exciting player, and I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of midfielder he is. Looking forward to seeing how good of a passer he is. He's obviously going to be strong in the tackle, and he's going to um because of his age and because of the position he's played in for Lille, you can see him not being phased by the pace of the Premier League with regards to, say, fitness-wise. I think the pace with being able to control the ball and pass the ball quick enough, that that's just going to hopefully naturally arrive and it might take a bit of a while, as it does with a lot of players who turn up in the Premier League. So I'm just interested to see how this guy goes. I'm not going to be critical of him at all in the first few weeks and months because I just think there's so much possibility with this player. I think there's all sorts of ways that it could go. It could go forwards, it could go backwards, it could be a player who takes even season after season to develop and turn into a really good player in a certain position. It might just be a player who just sinks, we don't know. Um, but I just think they've bought a, a real rough diamond, and hopefully, through the new training centre, through Rogers and his tra- and his coaching staff, they can they can mould this guy into a real diamond. I, again, I'm really excited about this guy, but I think Leicester fans might just have to wait and see with him, and maybe have a little bit of patience. That might take more than this season. Yeah, he's another one that fits the bill. Uh, I, I would suggest that his his stats don't quite match up to those of Pats and Daka yet, but uh, that's that you know he, he's playing arguably in a more competitive league. Samari, obviously, I'm not looking at his goal stats because he's a central midfielder. Although, by the way, his goal stats are pants. He's not going to get you many goals. I think he scored one for Lille ever. Um, he he has all the physical attributes from what I can see to to certainly keep up in the Premier League and to have an impact on games and to cover a lot of ground in central midfield. 
and that's definitely something like you say that we're on the lookout for particularly with um the sort of glaringly obvious uh lack of undeedy at times this season uh, just gone he seems to be from from reports and from what i've seen technically pretty sound as well and you don't very often get a, a bit of both um a few years ago but when um when Abdullah Decore was hankering for a move from Watford, uh, I think uh, in one of our in one of our pre-season chats, I, I mentioned his name as somebody that I would, would that I would think would be the the kind of midfielder that you'd want to see at Leicester to complement what we already have. And and from from what I know about Samare, uh, which is absolutely nothing that's not in the public domain already, uh, he seems to fit that bill. With the added bonus, I guess, in some ways, that he's 22. And if he is that rough diamond that you that you mentioned there, then who better to shape it than a proven youth coach like Brendan Rodgers, who has clearly seen something and clearly believes that he can do that. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be paying the money out to bring him to the club. And... From what I believe, he was not. He was out of the team a little bit more towards the end of the season as Lille came and closed in on the on the trophy in France on the league title. But he's still been in a very much a winning dressing room, uh, a team that were not really fancied for it. Uh, high pressure in those last games, uh, and he's experienced that at the age of twenty two, which is another real bonus. And again, it. it really does tick that box that Rodgers wanted winners. You, you don't want a 22-year-old rough diamond who's never won anything, who's playing mid-table in France. Samari brings you that little bit extra um, and he will undoubtedly be hungry for more. And he'll also look at Leicester and say, right, if you do play with a two-man midfield, that's that's Tielemans and Ndidi, then I'm going to have to work my socks off to get into that team. And that's what I'm going to do. But you also look at it and you think, right, there's going to be 50-odd games, hopefully, with Europa League and, and the odd cup run. I'm going to get my opportunities. Just like we said about Dakar, there are going to be chances for Samari to play football this season. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't be too judgmental, especially not early doors. Don't be expecting him to be the complete package that's phenomenal at everything because those kind of players don't actually exist. But excited for the potential that he seems to have. And then the the final confirmed major signing, one or two maybe uh, youngsters from various clubs, etc. But the uh, the third major signing, which did make me laugh really, because we all knew Ryan Bertrand was pretty much secure from quite a few weeks ago, with his age, etc., and being a free transfer. Naturally, a guy like Bertrand would turn around and, and say, look, I'll, I'll just keep the options open for a while, probably be given a deadline by Leicester to say, look, this is the deadline we'll give you, yes or no. Um, and then he says yes. And then when these signings are announced and you see like the flashing images and, you know, Dakar, goals flying in left, right and centre and Samari and all this sort of thing, brilliant. And then when you get Ryan Bertrand on a free 31-year-old left-back. It is quite funny when they do match it to to the kind of music and, and, and flashing images. But uh, but there we go. Um, it's a, a position with possibilities 
of Castagna maybe missing the first few games or having to wear the mask, we know about Justin. So when you've got Thomas in that position, is it a, a space in the side that we, we could do with a bit of cover? It, obviously pinpointing by Rogers, yes it is. And also Bertrand can play in a back three. So a guy that he's known from years and years ago. And um, I don't know whether you saw this, but uh, it was by... Jordan Blackwell pointed this out, the reporter for the Mercury. That's, he says that the first time that Bertram played against Leicester was in 2008, whilst he was on loan against Nor- uh, for Norwich against Leicester. So so I kind of put the question out there on, on, on my Twitter feed, saying, has there been a player who has played against Leicester? What's the f- longest amount of time between a player playing against Leicester to then playing for Leicester because this is 13 and a half years because I think it was early I think it was around January or so in 2008 so it's a good 13 and a half years from playing against Leicester to then signing for Leicester that's a long time I'll just give you that team Rob that Leicester had against Norwich um we've got um, Alwick in goal uh, Sturman Ngotti and uh, McCauley Matic Bory Oakley Wislowski, um Lazako or Lazako, you weren't that long at the club anyway, it didn't really matter. Uh, Howard and Hume uh, in a goalless draw against Norwich, a Norwich side that obviously featured on loan from Chelsea, Ryan Bertrand. Oh wow. Uh, so I put it out there, yeah, I mean what a what a poor side it was nil nil. Uh, I suggested straight away Kevin Phillips. Now we must I, I don't know the answer to this by the way. So this is out there for everyone. This is this is your homework for this week or two. Um, what is the longest amount of time from a player playing against Leicester first? So it has to be against Leicester first to then playing for Leicester because there'll be plenty of players who maybe at youth level played for Leicester maybe once and then late on in their career played. That's not the way round we're doing it. They've got to play it against Leicester and then for Leicester. So I went Phillips. Uh, just a couple to throw out there. Uh, so I mentioned uh, George Armstrong back in the 60s, 62 to 77. So there's 15 years. Someone else mentioned Les Ferdinand. That's a good one. So Les, I mean, whether he played against Leicester for QPR, maybe what, 94 when we got promoted, possibly. I don't know whether to play him in the cup, but that's maybe not. I don't know. That might not be as, as long as I think. And then you've got Chris Powell, possibly. Uh, so yeah, there's your homework. There's some there's some good names in there actually. You know, when you first said Phillips, I thought that's a great shout because we signed Kevin Phillips when he was about fifty. Uh, yeah, I think Phillips. Yeah, is a good, but good, uh, those those other players, good shout as well because Chris Powell was well into his late thirties when he came to Leicester, wasn't he? And uh, and Les Ferdinand was definitely in the twilight of his career as well. Yeah, that's that's an that's an interesting question. That it's a really Good stat actually about Bertrand that it's 2008 that he played against Leicester and here we are. Who'd have thought it in 2021 signing him? And we we spoke about him because, as you said, every everybody's pretty much known that this transfer was going through for the last six seven weeks. So much so that we've had a, a good old month off at least on the podcast, if not longer, and we've we've spoken about this already. Uh, and it's it it's a it's a good signing. It's it's it, there's a reason for it. 
That reason being there's no Christian Fuchs at the club anymore. There's no Wes Morgan on the playing staff anymore at the club. And this is a 31-year-old who still has, you know, physically has a few years left in him to play, who has been around the block. He's he's won the Champions League. He's played for England quite a number of times. He, and I think that probably one of the sticking points on the deal was that they might have just left it on the table and said, look, there it is. If you've got a couple of other options to have a look at, fine. But, you know, this is, you know, we want you and this is this is the package. It might also have been on the length of the contract because I'm looking and now I can't for the life of me see it anywhere. But I'm sure that I read it's a two year deal with an option of a third. I can't see the option of a third mentioned anywhere on on. I'm having a quick glance while we're while we're recording, but he'll have been looking for some kind of. I don't want to say final sort of end of career payday. That's I don't I don't get that impression from him at all, but. You want some assurances that you're not gonna be signed for a year or two, and then and then left to find another club because that that next move will be a more difficult one, particularly if you if you still felt you had uh, Premier League quality in you. I, I think you know uh, Ryan Bertrand at thirty three, thirty four could quite easily go abroad somewhere and play like in America, no problem. But if he if he wants to stay in the English game for a few more years, the, the contract length was was probably a key issue to sort out there. He will be great for Luke Thomas. He speaks very well in his interviews. Quite quite reserved, but reasonably eloquent. More eloquent than I certainly thought he would be when he first opened his mouth. Um. And it just makes sense for the football club because whilst we're sitting here and saying Dakar twenty two, Samari twenty two, brilliant, get these get these youngsters in and and mould them into the players that you want. You also need somebody who's been playing consistently week in week out in the Premier League for a long long time, and who's still got something to offer, and that is Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, and it's a signing that's purely from a managerial point of view because. We know most of the big clubs now who... I know there's still some managers out there who maybe will have absolutely full control, but most of them will have, say, a director of football, etc. And kind of a plan which you would imagine the club would then get a manager in that would then follow that plan. It all kind of marries together. This looks like it's a gap in the squad that the manager really wants to fill. And he goes, look, this guy I know, I want this guy. It's free, whatever, go and get him. I, I, I think that's just generally the case. Come and play for me, etc. Uh, it's just got Rogers written all over it. Now, that's nothing against Thomas. But again, it's a position where you go into a season like, like Leicester will have next season with possibilities of winning trophies on. I'm going to go three fronts because the Premier League would always be a completely out there possibility, still a possibility, but a genuine chance of winning uh, three trophies. You need that extra cover. Thomas still, for me, would be cover. So if he's the only player in that position, it's just natural. So yeah, whatever, not a problem. We'll see how he gets on. Now, leaving the club, um, there's, there's, we mentioned on the podcast at the end of the season, there was a... I don't know whether it was actually kind of released as a statement, but it was it wasn't hidden very well by the club. I don't think there was any any way that they were trying to hide it. I think it was mentioned maybe just halfway through a press conference, but um that there was gonna be a bit of a, a rejigging of the of the under twenty threes, etc. 
and there's going to be quite a few players that people will be familiar with, maybe even have made appearances for Leicester, but uh, have been out on loan, etc., that are going to be sold or to be released. There's going to be a bit of a, a, a real change-up in what's going on in the under-23s, uh, bringing in players from lower league clubs, bringing in players from abroad, etc., bringing players back from loans who have maybe not featured at the football club at all, have just pretty much been out on loan the whole time. Um, and those that have been here are going to be released. And I don't think that's really started fully. I think it's just slowly getting going now. So you've got Admiral uh, Musque, who's gone to Luton. The link-up between Leicester and Luton gets stronger. He's gone for a fee, undisclosed. Your guess is good as mine. I can't see it being an awful lot. But he looked like he had a fairly successful time at Wickham last year. Um, I think there might be one or two probably going to Luton as well. Um so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, again, a few familiar-ish names from the 23s go. Uh, a few play Under, he went back to Roma, didn't he? He's probably going to get sold then to Marseille. I wouldn't imagine Mourinho would like him at Roma. Uh, we know about Fuchs and Morgan. Morgan retiring. Fuchs has gone to Charlotte FC, isn't it, in the, in the States? Uh, Matty James, he's joined the, uh, the Leicester B team, which is known as Bristol City. So you've got... Nigel Pearson, Andy King, uh, Matty James, probably a few more down there now. I wouldn't be sure if uh, Benkovic turns up. Benkovic, he's probably going to go. It's not worked out for him. Um, Rashid Gazelle, he had a fairly successful time over at Besiktas, but I'd imagine he's going to be sold and maybe for a fee as well. So there's going to be quite a few uh, that will be leaving in the next few weeks and up until transfer deadline day in August so uh, yeah I think there'll be quite a few leaving the football club Rob but those for now have gone yeah and I don't think it's anything that's particularly unexpected players like Musque moving on and I know Donnell Johnson looks likely to be signing for for Doncaster he was released these are players that that have been not necessarily talked about as the next big thing to come out of the Leicester Academy or the development squad or whatever it's called these days but Certainly, names that we've known for a number of years. You know, Darnell Johnson is Musquay and Duku. There's there's a few that seem to have come through the same sort of age group that just haven't quite got there. And yeah, Lashablo as well. He's he's possibly going to go to Luton. He was the other, the other guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's you know I, I don't know if he made an appearance this season for Leicester. He definitely got into some match day squads, didn't he? So these are players that have been knocking on the door, but ultimately. Most of them have spent time on loan at football league clubs, and and unless they're unless they're either tearing it up in those lower leagues or they're a little bit of a late bloomer, like let's say Harry Kane, for example, um, then yeah, I know Harry Kane was not exactly a late late bloomer, but but you know you wouldn't have said when he came to Leicester uh, that he had the star quality to be England captain and one of the best strikers in the world. Uh, and I guess you never you never truly know, but for most of the time, especially the the coaches and the and the scouts and that that work in those that age group kind of football, they know where a player's ceiling is, and and it's quite right for Leicester to do the right thing to to have seen their their potential maybe not quite realised at, at this club. And find them a, an opportunity to to go and play their football elsewhere. And you know, if you see someone like 
Musquay or or Johnson pop up in the Premier League in a few years' time, you go, oh yeah, well, well, fair play to him. But it's not going to be for Leicester City, is it? That's the point. Especially now where it's going to be more and more difficult in many ways for Leicester's youth players to to make it into the team because they're going to have to be exceptionally good. Let's face it, because now the you know the season by season target has to be European football as a minimum, top four as a as as a probably a realistic target certainly for this coming season. So, hence not relying on Luke Thomas and bringing in Ryan Bertrand. Um, you've got to be somebody exceptional like a Harvey Barnes to to really come through and make your mark in the team. Somebody who maybe fits into that category a couple of years after the ones that we've just mentioned then is someone like Hamza Chowdhury, who, with the arrival of Sumare, Hamza Chowdhury seems to me to have to have reached a ceiling that would see him peak at a, at a mid-table Premier League club, where if Leicester are intending to keep players like Mendy and Pratt and also have Sumare and have the possibility of of using Dewsbury Hall at some point this season, is somebody like Hamza Chowdhury the next to sort of say, you're just not quite there. It's a, it's a difficult one because you don't want to see these homegrown players being being kicked out and having to bring in players from elsewhere to to improve the quality of the squad. But ultimately, that's the, that's the reality and that's the results business of Premier League football. Yes, it is. And it's quite easy to have a player go out on loan and then to put them into two categories. You've got... Your your players who occasionally do well and, and overall a, a reasonably successful time. Again, you're talking about Leicester City players going to lower league clubs. Most of the time, they're going to be playing fairly well. But then you've got your categories of your, your Harvey Barnes at West Brom. You've got your category of Dewsbury Hall at Luton, a player we'll come on to in a bit. Um, and also, you've got... Um, Ones who have gone abroad and have done really well, which again we'll come on to um, when we talk about Kamal Soa. So, yeah, it's uh, there is a big difference. Um, also, leaving there's there's been talk about Pratt leaving because of a lack of opportunity, and these sorts of uh, players being sold. And you mentioned Chowdhury there. I I think that's going to be quite late in the transfer window, unless someone comes in with that bid early. You know who knows, but I just think those sorts of players will probably not be sold by Leicester until, A, first of all, the, the bid comes in that is acceptable. But also, I don't see that being, at the moment, anywhere near happening. I think there's going to be fairly... And I know it kind of happens normally. It's, it's all fairly late, but it's always after a major competition in in the summer. I always think then the transfer window just gets a bit later and later and those deals get later and later towards the, the transfer deadline. So it could well be the case that we start the season with people like Dennis Pratt and, and Hamza Chowdhury in the actual squad and whether that changes uh, before transfer deadline day, then we'll um, we'll wait and see. Uh, Rashid Gazelle more than likely will be sold. It'll be interesting to see actually what, what money they do get for him because uh, or whether he goes on a free. Because again, he had a fairly successful spell. don't think there's anything here for him at the club, but uh, but there we go. Now, players coming back from loan include the aforementioned Dewsbury Hawking and Dewsbury Hall and uh, Kamal Sowa, who are both um, in the first team squad training. 
Now, that's no surprise, especially during pre-season. But when you look at the pictures in the first week or so, with them doing the dreaded bleep test, remember that. I mean, that just brings out everyone in the cold sweat. doesn't matter what the temperature is. But um, only with James Justin missing. It was not hard to see that the number one player during those tests and also just the general training ground activity I know we're talking about first week and people, slow down, Pete, don't get over the top about things, you know. But Jewsbury Hall just looks to me to be way ahead of anyone at the moment. Pace, power. I mean, the guy looks, you see his thighs, unbelievable. He did a, a Q&A with, um, he did a kind of a, was it a geography kind of test. It's well worth watching. It's quite funny. Him and uh, Harvey Barnes, two Leicestershire lads. And, um, some of the answers are horrendous, but there we go. And uh, actually, Juice Behold wasn't that bad. Barnes, there was a few guesses from him. But yeah, I I've, I really do think that this player, Juice Behold, Keenan Juice Behold, and I know I'm from the same town as Juice Behold, etc. I don't, don't know him at all. But So there might be a little bit of bias creeping in there. But I think we could be starting this season with a guy who had a brilliant spell on loan last season at Luton and won pretty much every award going. I think this kid is going to hit the ground running because from what we've seen in this first week, he looks like he really means business. And again, a guy who's taken a while to come through because he's, what, 23 years old now. So again, maybe it's just in his own development, it's taken longer than other players. But um, he looks like he means business big time. And I'm more excited actually about Jewsbury Hall than... Actually, both of the the new signings. I'm, I won't put Bertrand in that uh, that role because who gets excited about a 31 year old left back? But um, on a free. But with Dakar and Samare, they're not the players I'm looking forward to seeing. It's Jewsbury Hall. He looks every inch a Premier League footballer, and I take your point completely about it only being a week into pre season. But the way he. I, I, I'm I'm glad you've noticed that you know that video of the bleep testing because I was watching it thinking Chewsbury was miles ahead of everybody here. The way he speaks, um, it, he's very he seems just very focused and and in some some ways he reminds me a little bit of James Madison in terms of the fact that he's sitting there and he's not he's not bragging. He's sitting there and saying you know what I, yes I, I had a great time at Luton. Uh, I had the opportunity to sort of go through the the rigors. Of a of a season in the championship where you're playing twice a week in a physical league, um, he looks like he's become a, a man. Really, he's he's no longer this kid from the academy who's got a decent left foot. He he looks physically in better shape than I than I thought his sort of body shape would would enable him to be. I, I've, I've always had him as the sort of uh, more diminutive blonde lad who 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 looks. He's pleasing on the eye because of his left foot, and and you know left footers generally uh, seem to have a more fluid technique, don't they? They just look better on the eye. But he looks like an absolute machine who is ready and raring to go. And it might be because he was one of the first ones back at preseason training, nice and eager. Uh, or it might be because the club have got um, sort of some more ideas for him this year. In terms of the fact that he has been on the the Leicester City's social media channels and 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 that kind of thing on LCSC TV, 
quite a bit in the last week. He's done that bit with Barnes. He's he's done a, a sort of more serious sit down interview with with his aspirations for the season and and, and what he learned at Luton. It and let's be honest, I don't know that the club would do that. Certainly not to that degree if they weren't seriously considering the fact that he can have a, a an impact in the first team this season. Based on that early, early showing, it looks to me, and, and I think you'll agree from what you've just said, Pete, that, that he is going to be in the first team picture this season. And I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. And it's it's always it's a different kind of excitement really to 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 be looking forward to seeing a central midfielder who is another one of those names that we talked about earlier like Johnson like Leshebella like Musque who's been around the academy for a few years and you've been hoping that they're going to make that next step it looks to me like he is poised to make that next step and that's really a nice thing to see for, from a sort of homegrown perspective as well yeah that i mean the bleep test was unbelievable the fact that everyone had stopped and he was sprinting and looking really comfortable but um yeah a lot of people reading to the social media aspect of of uh, how the clubs put out that content at this time of year with regards to not including pl- certain players why is it because they're going to be sold etc have they got their face on the new away kit etc and all that now i i don't actually mind that because i think there is actually something there if you were going to release a, a, an away kit and a player behind the scenes was definitely going to be sold or moving away or whatever, then you probably wouldn't use them, would you? So, you know, you, you can, you know, put two and two together and get the right answer there. More times than not, probably won't. But never mind. It's 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 a it's more of an intriguing thing for me than someone making up a transfer story. Um, But also, just to go back to his physical stature... He's sitting alongside Harvey Barnes. Now, this is Harvey Barnes, who I know has been under the knife for, what, twice, and is probably not in peak condition. But I've always had Barnes as quite a a stocky, well-built lad, really, isn't he? You know, he's not someone to be brushed off the ball quite easy. And he's absolutely dwarfed by Jewsbury Hall. So it it really is quite, quite something. Now, hopefully he swims. Hopefully he does. Because if so, fantastic. Another... English youngster progressing at Leicester and who knows international honours might be and I'm getting way beyond myself here but uh, no just really excited and, and I imagine he'll be um, at the forefront of all the, the pre-season friendlies which are coming up quite soon uh, we've got Burton Albion away this Saturday and then they have a, a bit of a double header towards the end of July they go to Wickham on the 28th and then they go to QPR on the 31st. And I think they're going to stay down uh, in Surrey for that time. So there's their little break kind of as a as a squad. They'll probably have a, um, a little training camp somewhere, etc. Just to kind of, I know, get away. They're not going to go abroad this year. But that's going to be a little uh, get-together. Probably do a few um, rather than training exercises. Some kind of like team bonding or whatever. Uh, and then you look beyond that. You've got... The Community Shield, the Charity Shield on the the 7th of August. Now, how many fans will be at Wembley? Who knows? Is it going to be 75,000? I've got Sky Sports News on in the corner in for Fox 8 HQ, and I've noticed that Liverpool are playing two friendlies at Anfield, and they're having 75% of the crowd in. So that's going to be the rough figure. So that'll be a great day out. And um, I've got... Uh, uh, 
one of our mates on the case for a, a ticket for me because it's the thing because we're not season ticket holders it's quite difficult to get tickets for that sort of thing um so looking forward to that and again i'd imagine slightly different to the community shield against united when we were champions but i still think leicester fans will go to wembley under the impression of it being a day out and just having a really good time rather than some fans of other clubs who maybe will take it more seriously than than maybe other clubs you know when the game starts yes okay serious you want to try and win etc but i i just think up until kickoff i think many people will just be enjoying the day out and and hopefully it's a, it will be a, a nicer atmosphere than the uh, than the Euro final. But there we go. So yeah, the uh, it's uh, not long now until that first friendly away at uh, at Burton. I tried actually go, but I, I, I was working, so that's a shame because I would have gone only around the corner and that. So uh, yeah, they will be playing soon, Rob, in that flashy new kit. I can't believe it. We were talking just before we started recording. Oh, when's preseason? It feels like it's going to be a good few weeks away yet, yeah, especially because the Euros only feels like it finished yesterday. Uh, and here we are, game on on Saturday against Burton. Uh, I was also going to go, but uh, I've booked a spa break instead. Oh my god! Here we go. Definitely better than uh, than your excuse of going to work. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite a short preseason again, in in sense that you'd you'd probably usually expect to see six fixtures and some kind of training camp uh, involved. But realistically. Leicester have got one of the best training facilities in the world, so there's absolutely no need to leave it to go elsewhere to seek anything else. And if they're looking for warm weather training, well, here we go. I'm sure they've had plenty of that uh, over the last few days. It is very exciting, and, I, and I'm really pleased. Obviously, we we're in the Community Shield for a reason, because we won the, the FA Cup, but it, it, it looks to me like a brilliant curtain raiser for the season as as you know some people still see it as a friendly some people see it as a competitive game whatever um as a leicester city supporter uh it is for me the perfect way to kickstart a new season with optimism uh a season where hopefully we'll be able to watch all of the games live in the stadium when i say we i mean i mean us as a collective group of leicester city supporters and we can get back to as close to normality as possible and, and, and enjoy the football because I know that um, a, a limited number of supporters got in for the last uh, couple of games of the season, got to see Leicester in the flesh that way. Uh, but ultimately, over the last 18 months or so, there's been very few opportunities to watch live sport in a stadium that's actually got plenty of people in it. So that Community Shield game will, will have a great atmosphere as you said, Pete, it's. I think one of the best things about being a Leicester fan is that you still get excited for days out at Wembley. It's still very much a novelty for us. There is no uh, sense for me at the moment that Leicester are going to start taking their success for granted. Is it going to be a big day out? Lockdown lifted today, Freedom Day. Thousands of Leicester City supporters going down to Wembley and enjoying a great day out. And as 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 you say... The football's secondary in many ways until the first whistle blows, but it, it should be a thoroughly enjoyable, edu- uh, a thoroughly enjoyable experience, is what I was trying to say, um, and one that sets us up for for what will hopefully be a thoroughly enjoyable season two. 
Yes, I think there might be a few people there who will be uh, slurring their words as well. It would be, uh, <laughs> it would be, it's probably going to be the case that Leicester actually will host a few games at the training ground. Look, just looking at those games, you play Burton, and then what the midweek after or the week after, yeah, you play Wickham and then QPR. So those two games pretty close. You're not really going to have players probably playing in both of those, and then you got a full week until the Charity Shield, and then you got a full week after until the first game of the season against Wolves. So I can see there being certainly some behind-closed-doors games, and Seagrave will be the perfect place to host them. So I could see then teams, either lower league teams or or even, say, championship teams, who knows, essentially getting on the bus, turning up at Seagrave just to play that game and then, and then going straight away, obviously, COVID-related and all that sort of thing. So I'd imagine that'll be the case because it does look fairly light on those games. Um, Fixture-wise, quick breeze over them in terms of the Premier League, starting against Wolves at home, and then it's West Ham away, Norwich away, Man City at home. So quite a nice start there, really, on paper. And then after that, Brighton, Burnley, Palace. So overall, if you're looking at it from a fantasy football point of view, you know, one red fixture against, say, Man City, and then the rest pretty much all green against uh, green being easy games or perceived easy games. Looks like a fairly nice start. And if you were doing a, a, a pre-season look forward to the season, which we were doing, obviously, before the season starts, but just just right now, there is a few teams, and Leicester are right bang there, arguably right at the top of the list, of teams that can maybe take advantage of some of the uh, sides who have players in the Euros who went really quite far and have maybe haven't got their players in regarding transfers, etc., etc., who might start the season slightly on the back foot. And then there's teams like Leicester who got everything done fairly early with with Dakar and Samare and everyone at training all fully fits pretty much apart from uh, Castagna, but looks like he'll play and then obviously Justin. But it looks like we might take advantage of that or hopefully be able to take advantage of of being completely ready to go for the season compared to some of the other clubs. Now, whether that works out on the field, again, your guess is as good as mine, but I'd imagine as the season approaches, that's the way that we'll be reading a, a lot of previews regarding Leicester. A lot of pundits, etc., will be saying that Leicester could really have a good start to this season because of that. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, but it's quite easy to, to come to that conclusion, I think, when you look at those early fixtures. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to hit the ground running and, and build up some momentum right from the, the get-go, isn't it? It's As you say, there's no guarantee of three points from any fixtures. Our Our predictions are historically not particularly accurate. And when we say we've got a decent run of fixtures, we tend to pick up not very many points from it. And then when you say you've got some tough fixtures, you, t- you tend to pick up more points than you expect. That's just that's just football and that's just the, uh, the life of following Leicester City. But it does look on paper like a an opportunity to, I wouldn't say send out a message, but there was, there was a point when we were about this time last year where... A lot of people were wondering how Leicester would react to the disappointment of losing out on a a top four place on the last day of the season. Well, here we are, fast forward 12 months on, and we're in exactly the same situation. And and I've not got any worries about it. I think it will increase the drive amongst the group of players even more. I think the, the fact that some of the 
most of the important transfer business has been done nice and early. It's excellent. It gives the players much more opportunity to to settle into the team. Uh, the fact that we didn't have anybody go particularly deep into the Euros and there's almost a clean bill of health. Everything points towards Leicester City being able to make the optimal start to the Premier League season. Um, pre-season results and, and performances are never really much to go by, so I wouldn't really hang much on those. Uh, same really with the Community Shield. That will be... Um, a game, a one-off where you'll have players of varying fitness and match sharpness levels. You'll probably see uh, quite a decent number of changes. Is you don't know how Manchester City will approach it, so you know it's that game's by the by. When when the Premier League season starts, that's the opportunity for Leicester to really get going, get some early points on the board. And I'm not saying be one of the early front runners, but ultimately, if you've got uh, the desire and the ambition to finish in the top four, you've got to start picking up as many points as you can straight away. There's no time to lose. Exactly. Uh, a few more things, really. The shirt, I've not seen it. It's out uh, on sale now, so you can actually go to the shop and buy it. I went to the shop the other week. I was in Leicester and uh, or the other day, actually, and um, and I've seen it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not too sure, really. Well, I, I, I weren't too sure this time last year about the... Uh, the burgundy shirt and that worked out okay. So um, I'm going to wait until a few more of the new uh, the new uh, range drops. Uh, probably the best way of saying that. Um, yeah, so we'll see with the shirt. The one thing I do like about it, you can get the Europa League badge, the Premier League badge, or what I would have is the Cup Winners badge because that will that will rub a few noses out of place when you, people look at that and oh FA Cup winner, you know, you can imagine that. Um. What else? We've got the fancy football back this year. So if you entered last year, then you should have automatically been entered again. Uh, I've basically clicked the button to activate the league. Uh, so if you were, uh, if you want to play fancy football, it's the official Premier League fancy football app. That's what you need. And if you go on our social media, if you go to Twitter at FFS Pod, then you can find there the link to join. Um, what I'll do is I'll keep on posting that from now. There's plenty of time before that starts, before the, the season starts. So I'll be um, making sure everyone's aware of that. And, of course, we'll mention it on the podcast itself. Uh, so, yeah, that's back underway. And, uh, again, so fancy fo- Sorry, Rob, we've got to do fancy football again. So uh, I know it's not your strong point. I'll do my and, best to finish um, higher than 70th this this year. Yeah, I can't remember where I finished. I've got a screenshot of the league. I think it was about 20th or something. But, uh, but anyway, and... Um, yeah, then the, the the last couple of points. One was regarding Dakar. I forgot to mention it. We mentioned that he's uh, he seems a good egg. He's actually reading at the moment the Fearless book by Jonathan Norcroft. The uh, he works for the Mirror, doesn't he? And um, the book he wrote about the 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 league winning season, um, which is a really good read uh, if you haven't got it. Fearless, and uh, he's currently reading that. So um, he posted on on Instagram. So that's good. And 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 finally, just away from really Leicester. We know Sancho going to United is probably going to happen, and maybe Varane as well. Looks like it's probably going to happen. Um, but interesting, Damari Gray going from uh, Leverkusen to Everton. It seems for you know a million or whatever, and they're also going to sign Townsend. So it looks like Benitez is getting the boys back with Townsend, and uh, and they're interested in, in in Dwight McNeil from Burnley, who's going to cost a few quid if they do go for it. So three wingers. 
And uh, so you can see what Benitez's ideas are about. I think McNeil, he scored a brilliant goal against Everton. I think at Goodison, didn't he? He scored a fantastic goal, which always, when you see a player sign for someone uh, from one Premier League side to another... I just have a look back in their performances against that club. We've seen it so many times with Leicester where they'll sign a player from a, a Premier League club and you go, hey, he's been brilliant against Le- Perez would be the best example. He's been fantastic against Leicester every time he played against them. And um, and it might be the case with, with McNeil. But yeah, interesting move for Gray. Uh, see how it goes. We we all know what he's like. and uh, But interesting that... Uh, Everton are, are going to take a gamble. But then again, is signing Demario Gray for a million and a half a gamble? Good question. Would I re-sign him for a million and a half? No. Uh, I don't think he, uh, he... He's flattered to deceive for many years at Leicester. Uh, and if I was an Everton fan, uh, if I'd just got over the shock of uh, Rafa Benitez taking over as manager, then I'd be looking at those signings. And yes, I can see that there's definitely a heavy focus on the wingers. And yes, we know that they've got one of the best sort of uh, aerial threats in the Premier League in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But really, if you've got a team that last season had Carlo Ancelotti at the helm and signed players like James Rodriguez and were were billed as the team to push for the top four, I know it didn't happen and maybe that model clearly then doesn't work. But if you're signing Asmir Begovic, Andros Townsend... And Damari Gray, now I'm sorry, but I am not as excited about their signings as I am about Dakar, Samari and Bertrand. Thank you very much. I will definitely stick to being a Leicester City fan. Well, you're a Leicester City fan and a Rochester Rhinos, a Rhinos fan. Of course, because we now, <laughs> for, for some bizarre reason, have a, some kind of interest in, in a lower league American soccer team. This this has just got road trip written all over it. This has got Rochester Rhinos, um, who's Fuchs playing for now? Uh, Charlotte FC. This this is this is what's going to happen. I'd imagine at some point someone will go and play for Miami with with Beckham there. Obviously they've got to get rid of their manager Phil Neville because he's not going to last long because he's completely useless at everything. But uh, yeah, so. Vardy buys a football club, apparently a very historic football club in America, and is going to be a, a documentary, a TV documentary regarding the rebirth of the Rochester Rhinos, Rochester in um, in New York, apparently. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably one of the oddest things. In Vardy's career, which is a TV documentary slash movie anyway, for him buying a club or being part owner of a football club, He's no real surprise. The fact that they called the Rochester Rhinos is is really funny. But yeah, so, well, put it this way. I'm more likely to buy a Rochester Rhino shirt than the new Leicester home shirt. That's a fact. That's a definite fact. So, um, yeah, what a way to finish a podcast. Rhinos fans. What's the chant then with Rhinos? What's uh, How does that work? I wonder what their mascot is. You would imagine it's going to be a rhino. We'll have to see if there's uh, any any fans over there that are that are willing to that or that have got a podcast that we can create some kind of ties with. We've got a few American listeners anyway. I don't know if anybody can uh, can put us in touch. Hang on, put us in touch with who? With some of the fans of the Rochester Rhinos, so that we can establish what oh. their chants are, what their mascot is, and a bit, and find out a bit more about their history because they they. Disappeared off the face of the earth for a few years, from what I've read, didn't they? And, and sort of didn't really exist, and now they are reborn with the Messiah Jamie Vardy at their helm. 
yes. from a distance. Yes, I mean, I presume it's going to be Ryan the Rhino or Rami the Rhino. I don't know, but put it this way, I'm a big fan already, a big, big fan. And, um, and yeah, that's it for the podcast. So we are back. Hope everyone's had a really good summer or actually probably starting their summer now because I know some of these have just started, etc. So if you are and you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are, whether you're in your kitchen or your garden or you've gone abroad or you've gone uh, away in the UK or wherever you are in the world, then have a good summer. Have a good few weeks because it's uh, it's slowly going to build up now with the first, again, what in a few days time the first preseason it's going to be i think still a bit of a slow burner until that community shield and then it will really kick in the, the week before the premier league starts so enjoy the summer hopefully we might have one or two extra signings before we're back again and we'll be back rob what a couple of weeks time before certainly uh, the uh, charity shield community shield against uh, manchester city so that's it for the podcast if you want to get in contact Facebook, find us on there for Fox 8 Podcast and make sure you give us a like. And also on Twitter, which is really the best way, uh, at FFS Pod. And you can find us on Twitter. If you want to email us, it's for fox8podcast at gmail.com. And however you're listening to this podcast, if you can give us a rating, what some have five stars or whatever, then give us a five star rating. It really does actually help. Uh, it helps grow the podcast, which is, of course, what we want since we're in season eight or whatever that we've been doing this. So, yeah, that's it, Rob. Stay out the sun. Be careful, Rob. Do you know what I mean?